0: Well, I tell you what, this season is full of bonuses, and I just had to add an extra episode to this season because I just had, I kept running into so many wonderful people that I wanted to have in it. So this episode is with Miss Shelley Paxton, and what's really cool about this particular show that you're going to get to listen to is that we're combining kind of two things season themes into one episode. (laughs) So what I'm doing in this particular one, and Shelly was so game for this, is that we're gonna cover beliefs, which is how beliefs shape your business, which is a wrap up for this season, season six of the Simplify and Multiply show. And we're also gonna be talking about writing a book that builds your business, which is going to be the theme for season seven, which starts next week. Ooh, I'm so excited. So stay tuned for some awesomeness from Miss Shelley Paxton.
1: If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to The Simplify & Multiply Show, hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify & Multiply Show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur.
0: Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Hey there, Shelley. Thank you so much for being here on the Simplify and Multiply show. I am so happy that you're here because I'm going to make you do double work today. I'm going to have you bookend my sixth season and kick off my seventh season all in one episode. What do you think about that?
2: I am so happy to be your bridge, Terry. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yes, you are my bridge. I to am success. your bridge,
2: girl. <laughs> I am your bridge. So we're we're bridge sisters and soul sisters. I love it. I'm one hundred percent in.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So let's start with talking about season six which is all about how beliefs shape your business now this season has been full of wonderful wonderful people who have been contributing all sorts of value around mindset and beliefs and how it impacts a solopreneur business and so knowing that the journey you've taken from having a mega corporate job and being in that environment and coming from harley davidson and then moving into your own, I mean, I'm getting little goosebumps just kind of like thinking about the journey that you've had uh, that has birthed this entire new venture for yourself regarding Soulbatical and what you're doing for people who are, so, especially during the COVID pandemic, craziness. You know, people are really being confronted with making serious decisions about either their corporate job or their solopreneur job, um, if that's what they're doing during this particular time in our our economy and our world. Yeah. And what I'd love for you to speak to are some of the things that, uh, that you experienced as a solopreneur, uh, new to being a solopreneur, when you left Harley and you kind of had to figure some things out for yourself. So I'd love to, for you to just kind of uh, peel that back for me.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, do we have five hours? Because <laughs> this know. might t- this might take a yeah. while. Let okay. me just kick
0: off with a really giant question <laughs> that makes you want to lay down and take a nap. Oh,
2: thanks. Yeah, thanks for lobbying the easy one my way, Terry. I yeah. truly totally appreciate it. Hey, I'm here to get it done. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take this one step at a time. We'll feel. We'll see how far, how far, how deep we want to go with this, but. <laughs> The first thing that comes to mind, and just a little context for everybody, I spent 26 years in the corporate world. So when you say peel the layers, there was a lot of peeling Mm. to do. And I'm entirely Mm. sure people listening to this can relate. There's a lot of peeling. And the first one for me was what is my identity? Mm. Because I realized, and I wrote about this in my book, that I was like, I was scared shitless that I didn't, I can swear, right?
0: Yes. Well, I <laughs> will no. make sure that this is labeled as an explicit episode. You know, I was doing so good. I didn't really have a lot of these, but <gasps> oh, now I'm no. going to have to.
2: <laughs> oh, I've, I the, bri- the bridge has ruined your streak. I'm I so know. sorry. Okay.
0: So that's it, folks. Thanks for listening in. <laughs> and uh, we'll tune in next week for the new, next episode.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'll just, I'll be careful with how many I drop, but, um, but I was like, I was scared to death because I realized right after I left Harley That I was so much, that my identity, that my worth, at least as I was perceiving it at the time, was so much more tied to these big brands and my title and my paycheck than I ever really understood. Wow. Until I walked out the door and I started to do the inner work because I I gave myself a little, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I knew that I needed to go on this journey to nurture and reconnect with my soul. Hmm. And so as I'm reconnecting with it and as I'm doing some pretty tough inner work, I'm starting to realize that my identity, I'm like, well, wait a second, who am I? Mm. If I'm not tethered to Harley Davidson or Visa or McDonald's or AOL, like all of these iconic brands that I had served for so long that really became who I thought I was in the world. So I do a lot of work with this um, on this with my clients now. What I realized is I had to spin it around and say, actually, what if the most iconic brand I could ever serve in my lifetime is the Shelly Paxton brand. Oh man, I love that.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's powerful. Right? So that's it's powerful. like same
2: for you, like the Terry Pappy brand. And mm-hmm. anybody who's listening, it's like, put like frame that question for yourself mm-hmm. because it rocked my world to I even bet. now I know I get that it's marketer speak, and yes, I'm a marketer, and that's what I did for all of those years. And at the same time, it really flips like, oh my God, how much value, we put on this external stuff, the stuff outside of us, right, the other brands, or the titles, or the external validation, all that, when you flip it and say, what if I am the most iconic brand I could represent, then you start to realize your inherent worth and your strengths Mm. and your gifts and your superpowers.
0: And talk about adopting a belief about yourself that shifts your mindset to be really powerful as a solopreneur. I love that, absolutely yeah, love that. Yeah, so
2: it, it starts with that and then the work. So I guess I'll just kind of go deal with this in sequential order as it happened for me. So that was a lot of work for me to go, okay, I can start to wrap my head around that. It feels really scary still, but I can start to wrap my head around that. So, So who am I? who is this Shelly Paxton brand? And so I remember I was sitting in New Zealand and I write this in the book. One of the stops that I made as I was on the initial sylvatical journey for for the initial kind of eight months before my dad got really sick. I was sitting there and I was like, okay, who am I? Who the F am I? Who the F am I? Who the F am I? Mm. Like really, because I had been so outer focused and now I was trying to understand and I ended up writing what I now call an I am a festo, like my own personal wow. manifesto. And I invite everybody listening to this to do the same. Yeah. I literally just started writing a list. I am, I am. I was like insane things forcing myself to push my own comfort zone. So writing, I am beautiful. I am sexy. I am soulful. I am a trailblazer. I am, I went on and on, even when it felt like, oh my God, I can't write that. Like who says that I am beautiful? Who says that? I'm like, I say it. And I had this long, long list. And the next morning I woke up and I was like, I am not the titles I held. I am not the mistakes that I made, I am not the brands that I served. And I went on and on. It's like, I am me and I am enough.
0: Mm, that's powerful. because yeah, Our tendency is to go to the negative, you know, because we're living yeah. this self judgment, unworthiness kind of mindset. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And so think about it. We have to believe in ourselves, especially as solopreneurs. Who Mm -hmm. else is going to believe in us?
0: (laughs) Right. Wait a minute. I mean, I got to like, you know, clap at that because that was like really huge. If we don't believe in ourselves, who the heck else is going to do it? Not only believe in us, but put money down to pay us to do our good stuff.
2: Yeah. The first sale is always to ourselves. So doing this work around Mm. identity, serving your own brand, and then understanding that brand, which is kind of this I am exercise. Like, give yourself credit for all the incredible badass things that you are. We don't often, right? Oh, my
0: gosh. I I got to punctuate this again because there are so many solopreneurs and i've i've met many of them as clients, colleagues, etc. that have been solopreneurs for years, decades even some of them. and they still haven't gotten to that point. they still don't get how awesome they are. and they work their butts off trying to prove it through their effort, through their action, through their you know, just like you know, frustrations. and And this is why I wanted to do this season on beliefs that this is so powerful when it comes to solopreneur because you don't get the feedback that you normally would get in any kind of work setting where you have colleagues at work that can give you the more intimate contextual feedback that allows you to improve and see how awesome you are. When you're a solo, you're the only one patting yourself on the back because even when our clients say you're awesome, we really don't believe it we say, oh, thank you. That really means a lot. And then we gloss over and then we move on, right? We don't really let it in. And I'm speaking from experience because this is how I was. I was very insecure when I first started uh, my solo printer business 14 years ago because I was doing, I was having to survive. I was in survival mode for a long time before I figured my sh- shit out. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. And so that... like. If you don't have that bedrock, I mean, talk about a foundation, mm. everything you're saying, if we don't have that bedrock, man, it's going to crumble, right? And, and I am a big believer that that creates your energy. So if I show up in this conversation, in a coaching conversation, and I really don't believe in myself, mm. people are going to feel that. Yeah, they will. So I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I am in my purpose. I am going to show up in the world as my authentic, courageous, powerful self. And I believe in what I do. I believe in me and I believe in my mission. And my mission is to liberate a billion souls. And I can only do that with other people's help. I want to start the ripples that become the wave that creates that change. And Mm -hmm. I wake up every day and remind myself of that. And that's tapping in like, it takes a lot to believe like, oh man, like I'm a powerful mofo if I can do that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely.
2: So that's Yeah, when you like, connect
0: with it and get present to it, it is. And, it, and it's something we're not used to doing for ourselves. Yeah. It's something that we're not used to someone else doing with us or for us in, in a loving way. And, and that is a huge gap for solopreneurs in particular. Absolutely. Well,
2: it's so true. And, and let's be honest, right? I mean, I love, I say this line to myself all the time and I love to coach my clients on it, but it's like when I hear how my clients are talking to themselves and I catch myself being really nasty to me, I'm like, would you talk to your best friend that way? Mm-hmm. Would you talk to your child that way? So we need to learn to be gentle with ourselves, yeah, kind and caring. And I think I've had to learn that lesson even more so as a solopreneur, to be yeah. very gentle, to practice what I preach. So solbatical, you know, a big part of it, not the entire thing. Solbatical is about a way of being. It's living and leading more authentically, courageously and purposefully. And it's also about being chief soul officer of your own life.
0: Of your own life. You and know.
2: as a part of that, it mm. means taking good care of yourself, your mind, your body, and your soul.
0: Mm. I absolutely love that. And you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't know we're doing it. We're kind of asleep to what comes out of our mouth. And the work I did around self-value and, and uh, which was a huge distinction for me, uh, I was surprised at how much I talked myself down about things or uh, devalued, I guess is a better word, uh, what I was contributing to my clients and friends and family and colleagues and so on and so forth. And, and I ended up finding that I had, I was working so much harder uh, to be in action, to make things kind of connect. And instead of starting first with that value, uh, myself and others in such a way that i it was just a, an attraction thing at that point where I just could just be in the flow and people would just come running. And uh, as, as general as that sounds, I mean, that's what it felt like to me when I had that shift. And its it's something that was so ingrained in my conditioning. To this day, I still have often uh, these knee-jerk kind of thoughts or things that come out of my mouth that are, are of that nature because of the habitual practice of it all my life. And I think that that's what a lot of people uh, get stuck in is that that space. So the first thing is really awareness that you are thinking those things and saying those things about yourself. Yeah. Um And that's weird, isn't it, that we don't really notice that that I'm sure there's some neuroplasticity issue that behind that.
2: (laughs) Oh, man, we could. That's another fun topic. Neuroplasticity. I geek out on the brain. It's something that I want to study more and more and more. So you and I just found another like. Yeah. Okay. so when I do my season (laughs) on
0: cognitive psychology, we'll get you on again. All right. (laughs) Yes,
2: please. I I would love that. But yeah, I mean, to your point, I catch myself doing it, too. Right. And it, it is. It's building that awareness to say, wait a second. Did that just come out of my mouth? And when you <laughs> did I just say it, that did I just say that? And did I say that about me? Yeah. And then and then learn to reframe those things, mm-hmm. right? Through a kindler, kinder and gentler lens. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really important. So self-care is another piece, right? Really learning deep self-care so that I am constantly energized and rejuvenated and creative in this solo business that I'm creating. Absolutely. That's such a big deal. And you know, I let myself, my my story at Harley was like, I was burning myself out. I was definitely one of those people. Now it's not the exact reason that I left, but it's a big part of the reason that I mm. kind of woke up. what well, was woken up, the beginning of my book is the nightmare. And the nightmare that kept ripping me out of my sleep was me realizing how disconnected I was from my own soul, my own truth, my own purpose. Mm. And I was also not taking good care of myself. I was like drinking a bottle of wine to like numb myself at night so I didn't have to deal with all of it and kind of push down those inconvenient truths, right? That the little voices is whispering. And now as a solopreneur, I'm really, really thoughtful about how I design my days, how I get my sleep, the nourishment that I give my mind, body, and soul, because I know like if I'm not here, my business is not here. And if I don't have that energy, my clients aren't going to feel that energy or, or, you know, the audience, if I'm speaking or whatever it is. And so that's a really, really um, important piece for me that I just had to, like, kind of get clear on and do a better job of.
0: Yeah. So as you were kind of coming into this, you know, the decision to be out on your own, be a solopreneur, do these things, follow this thread, of reconnecting with your soul and and all of the things that were gonna enrich your life and create a pathway for others to follow with you and give them the tools and resources that they need in order to do that. What were some of your belief systems? As I mentioned in my case, you know, early on, I had a lot of, you know, stories in my head that were just not helping me and making me work five times as hard and attracting crappy clients. I mean, just like, it was rough. What were some of the things going on with you that you you can notice now in retrospect uh, that could be correlated to some mindset slash belief systems that were really, uh, whether they were dragged in from the corporate experience or just from being beat down in that experience or just kind of having too much freedom in solopreneurism. I don't know, for everybody, it's a little different.
2: Yeah, so for our next five hours, here's what I got <laughs> for you. <ya. laughs>
0: to get better at asking questions, I think?
2: No, 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 I, I love these because they're they're juicy and you know we don't it can be a to be continued one day too. I, I <laughs> yeah, honestly, I Terry, I love what you ask. So the reason I was smiling when you asked me that question was because the very there are a number of things come to mind, but I have to hit this first one because I suspect it is going to be very relevant or resonate with a lot of people. So the first one for me, was as I was shifting into becoming a coach. So I have this amazing marketing background. I was an advertising and marketing executive for all of those decades. And, you know, I knew that people would pay me top dollar to do marketing and marketing consulting and branding work and all that kind of stuff. But I had this belief that no one would pay me to be a coach. Wow and i really stumbled so so here's a really specific that's example. really interesting
0: where do you think that was rooted from because i could see that the the former was more about oh it's justifiable i've got all this experience right so look look at the scars on my arm and you yep, know yeah right i but with show the coaching was like when in fact i'm sure you did more coaching in those roles than you will ever do in your life given the environment But that is pretty crazy. So, what kind of like, whoo? What was the aha for that?
2: Well, one thousand percent, and it was crazy, and that's why I can laugh about it now. I, I, um, I challenged myself to play in a bigger, um, a bigger sort of coaching community than I thought I was ready for, and I'll never forget. I said that out loud. So this was early on. I had just opened my doors. I opened my doors in or hung my virtual shingle, I should say, in January of 2018. So, you know, I'm I'm really only about two and a half years into my journey as a solopreneur. And most of that
0: time you were writing your book. So <laughs>
2: a lot of that time last year I was writing my book. And here's what I was doing for the first six months. I promise this will come back to answer your question. So the first six months, so I hang this shingle and I'm doing my branding work around Solbatical because I've now realized that Solbatical is my calling in the world. And I want to help others on this journey of, you know, to discover their their purpose and to live a more authentic, courageous and purposeful life. So I hung this shingle and it was Solbatical coaching. And then right Uh at the last minute, I said to my designer, actually, no, it has to be coaching and consulting because I know I can make money consulting.
0: I literally,
2: literally changed my logo to be coaching and consulting because I was so afraid that no one would pay me to coach because I was telling myself a story in my head that I was a new coach, and I'm making air quotes as I say that, right? That I was this new coach and so you know what the universe delivered the first thing that came my way was a six-month consulting contract that got me back into the spiral of exactly what i had left at harley Uh uh-huh and that was the universe going oh okay you think you want that consulting thing so bad yeah okay well here go in here you go here you go here you go be careful what you wish for i end up in this crazy situation there were some gifts in that situation And the biggest gift was I realized, like, I really need to find my tribe in the coaching space. Mm -hmm. And I really need to better understand and start to believe in myself to go back to the earlier conversation. Mm -hmm. And in the very first, I got introduced to Rich Litvin, who is still my coach. I'm still a part of his community. And that's how actually I met Louisa, who was just on an amazing podcast (laughs) episode of yours. And, and I will never forget. I said, well, you know, Rich, I'm, I'm a new coach and I'm just, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to do this. And, you know, I think nobody's going to really pay me. And he just stopped me right there. He said there. So wait a second, Shelly, you've been an executive in the marketing space, leading teams of 200 people. For decades, <laughs> I can and totally hear him saying that yeah, to you too. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "And you're a new coach," and he just he absolutely flipped. And he taught me this phrase that I'm going to share with everybody: it's transcend and include. And I think we forget this. What it means is everything you've done, all of your experience, is relevant. Every step you take forward, it's cumulative. And I think Mm -hmm. we're so quick, I know I was so quick, to be dismissive of all of this experience Mm -hmm. and how it could even relate to coaching, when in reality, I'm so clear now that this is exactly why my clients find me and hire me, because Mm -hmm. of the experience and the background that I have, and I'm a damn good coach.
0: Yeah, wow.
2: But that was it for me. That was such a big lesson where I was like, oh, and I wonder, you know, the people who are listening, I mean, you're so inspirational. So for anybody listening that's feeling that way, challenge your own beliefs. Mm -hmm. Really ask yourself, how true is that? Yeah. Because when I got challenged on it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's actually not true at all. I coached every person who ever worked with me and for me. And actually what I realized is it was my favorite part of the job, which led me to be (laughs) There's a sign for you. (laughs) And, And I didn't realize that until hindsight. When I started kind of sniffing around coaching, I was like, oh, wait a second. One of my gifts as a leader, I wasn't the smartest marketer. I was far from the smartest marketer or the most creative marketer. I was a really great leader of people. And my gift was being able to shine a spotlight on other people's gifts and really pull that out of them and give them the runway to fly and mm. i thought wow what if i just do that as a living <laughs> and here we are that works for me and that works wow for me. That's,
0: that's yeah that is huge and i did something similar when i got started too because i i'm probably known more now for my strategic work than for my creative work. And my whole background was in creative execution. Yeah. You know, I went to art school for crying out loud, Georgia Tech for tech stuff. So people would hire me to make stuff. And and yet the most potent thing that I deliver for my clients is a strategy. You know, just simplifying their, their business and, and giving them a strategy that really rocks rucks their solopreneur business.
2: I love it. Yeah. And just being open to like, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know what people are going to be drawn to, but embrace every aspect of who you are and the experience and gifts that you bring to the table. I think that is that is so powerful in any, in any career, but in particular as a solopreneur. And the other thing, Terry, as you were talking, what came up for me is another lesson I've been writing a lot about how improv I did improv comedy at the second city here in Chicago in my twenties. And I talk a little bit about it in my book and the two lesson, well, there are many lessons, but two of the lessons that just keep coming back to me are the phrase, yes, and. Yes, and, yep. Yes, and. It is the foundational building block of improv.
0: It is, yep. That's and, why I was smiling and nodding as yeah. you said improv. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yes, and.
2: <laughs> and. It's the foundational building block for our businesses, right? It's Mm -hmm. the foundational building block for how we create, how we collaborate, all of those juicy things. So that came up for me just as one thing that I've really been embracing. And then here's the other thing that I think is so crucial as a solopreneur. And I I remind myself of this every day. Go before you're ready.
0: Mm. Oh, that's a big one. Ooh, I'm I'm living that right now with Pappy Club. Oh, I will tell you yes. right now, I am so yes. freaking living that because, yeah, I won't go into it, but let me tell you, it's,
2: wow.
0: <laughs> that kind of hit me upside the head. There's oh, my yeah. aha moment for the show.
2: <laughs> I love it. Well, this is why, yeah, yeah I'm so- this is one of the reasons why i'm i'm looking to you and i respect and admire you've been in the solopreneur space a lot longer than i have i love that you're creating this club because i'm like Ooh, what did what could that look like for me And Mm -hmm. I'm reminding myself, Shelly, you're never going to be fully ready. I remember how long I struggled. Like, when do I open my doors? What do I do? You know, I don't have to have it all figured out. I didn't have a website. Oh, you are going to. That's why I'm so glad we're doing
0: a demo. Okay, so listener, I'm doing a demo of Pappy Club with Shelly after this recording. And her head's going to pop off. So let me tell you, we're going to have to do a follow up episode where she talks about her uh, club that she's doing, Paxton Club. I love it. I love it. Solvatical Club. Solvatical
2: (laughs) Club. Club or the yeah. rebel, rebel souls is what I'm calling my podcast. Ooh, I so love the it! Rebel souls club, something even better. Like that even so better. So yeah, I'm super excited. I think so that I I remind myself. Well, that's what it was all about when you were on stage. When you were doing mm. improv, you you can't like get out of your head, get into your body, and trust that all of the answers are inside you. Trust that the right thing will Mm. channel through you or come out in the moment. Trust that you can add value to the scene and contribute and move it forward. And that's how I think about my business. And I'm like, go before you're ready because you're gonna sit there all day long and have every excuse in the book why it's not perfect and choose progress over perfection, you know, as Brené Brown and so many other smart people say.
1: Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment.
0: Are you getting the sense that there may be some long-held beliefs getting in the way of your business thriving? A solopreneur business can be challenging at times, to say the least. Everything from simplifying marketing to keeping your pipeline filled with a steady stream of great clients, there is a ton to do to run your business and be successful. The cause of these challenges may not necessarily be the economy, a missing marketing tactic or strategic action you're not taking, but a hidden belief that doesn't serve you or your business. The good news is you can uncover and change a belief that's sabotaging your business happiness, and I have the tools that'll help you. You'll find them inside my new home for solopreneurs, Pappy Club. I invite you to join for free right now. Get what you need to crush those limiting beliefs and define new beliefs that support business success and your overall happiness. Head over to pappyclub.com to sign up and start infusing your thinking with positive beliefs that support how awesome you are and all of the great things you've yet to accomplish in your business and life. That's p-a-p-p-y-c-l-u-b.com to sign up now and I'll see you there. Oh yeah, that's so beautiful. And let me again punctuate what you're touching on, and, and when you were talking earlier about you know dismissing the experience that you had uh, from all your corporate you know work that you've done you know and being a leader. I think that it's easy, and this is a generalization, so I'll caveat at that, but I think it's easy for a solopreneur who has spent their career in a work environment or corporate environment where they've really slogged through and worked hard, and it's like they're leaving the corporate world or scaling the wall, air quotes, uh, is like being ejected from a, a you know, F-17 fighter plane or something where you're, you know, it's like, you got to get out, you know, it's like, and it's so easy for us to knee jerk, think that that's bad. Like we left it in such a way, whether we were rift or whether it was a choice on our own, we look back on those years as something that's, I don't want to say a black mark, but something we wanted to escape, Mm -hmm. that we never want to go back again. You know, we've got all this freedom now, and we're master of our destiny, and we do it the way we want to do it. And there's great seductive qualities about that, but not really understanding that everything that we did back where we were getting a paycheck every two weeks is what created who we are today. And we're going to constantly evolve I'm not the same person I was yesterday. And here's the thing. The things I learned in the corporate world were very and are still very valuable to me in the work I do with my clients. And the work I've done as a solopreneur has complemented that in a very powerful way. So I think that if you are, uh, to my listener, if you are in a situation where you're kind of like poo-pooing the corporate experience you've had for whatever reason, you know, make peace with that because that is what is making you awesome at what you're doing as a solopreneur.
2: So much truth in that. Listen to Terry, (laughs) (laughs) what she said.
0: Well, this is a really good point to uh, start walking across the bridge and traveling into the next season, which uh, this episode is is bookending season six. So thank you for listening to season six, if you've been a regular listener, longtime listener. And I want to get into introducing season seven, which is all about writing a book that builds your business. Now, it's one thing to just, you know, start writing and do your books and everything. But What's really gonna help your business is for you to strategically plan your book so that it feeds and supports and nurtures your business. And there are a lot of different tactical approaches to this. And what I wanna do is uh, ask you, Shelley, to kind of kick us off into your thinking around yours because what's powerful about what you did with Soulbatical is you this was revelation uh, for you personally, in your personal journey. So it's almost like part memoir, part practical guide. And in doing so, what it birthed for you are these brands and sub-brands, if you will, you know, the Rebel, all the all the labels that you've created out of it, that are components of your philosophy that is rooted in Soulbatical and what you're really trying to accomplish in the business. So as Let's just start by talking a little bit about your thinking around the book, and from the standpoint of how you're leveraging that in the business that you're creating.
2: Yeah, I love it, and I I would love to be able to sit here and tell you that I had all of this perfectly planned out. <laughs> and we—that's well, okay. You
0: you can make it up. Nobody will know the difference.
2: <laughs> and I <laughs> no, know. But, and, and I want to be honest about that, right? There's so much that I've learned in the process, and I'll share. Um, how it unfolded. So one of the most critical things you you hit on, which is I made a very strategic decision. It was a creative and a strategic decision to say, um, I'm not just going to write a memoir. I really want to get my story out into the world, and I really wanted to tell it in the most raw and vulnerable way possible. Because I want others to know, like we so often compare our insides to other people's outsides. Mm. And I am entirely sure people were doing that. It from the outside, it looked like I had the sexiest job in the world. Like chief marketing officer of Harley freaking Davidson, right? You know, it's like, I come into the boardroom with my pierced nose and boots and, and, you know, skinny <laughs> jeans and a leather jacket, like a dream job. And on many levels, it was representing <laughs> that brand, which is iconic for freedom. And sure. all of those things felt really powerful. At the same time, no one knew what was going on inside. Mm. And so my decision and, and Simon & Schuster, who I ended up, Tiller Press is an imprint within Simon & Schuster. I ended up... Um, uh, publishing the book with them. Actually, they found me. That's a whole other part of the story. I don't know if you want to go in cause I don't think you and I have even talked about this. No. <laughs> um, so the, um, oh yeah, that's a really, really fascinating story because the gift in that consulting, you know, the six month consulting yeah. gig yeah, that yeah. the universe was like, yeah, see, you don't want to do that anymore. Do you? One of the tremendous gifts in that is I met a very dear friend who listened to me talk about Soulbatical and my dreams for this business and my dreams for a future book, who eventually went to work for Simon & Schuster. Oh, I love it. Kid you not. That this is darn the universe. universe,
0: always drawing those connections.
2: What? Always <laughs> drawing those connections. And so the rest, so anyway, I give that as, I give that as background because I didn't go through a traditional process at all. And as we were having conversations about what does this solvatical book look like, I was really passionate that I tell my story candidly. And Mm. I wanted people to know, like, what was the messiness on the inside that I was experiencing? What were my worries and my fears and my turmoil and my addiction to numbing and all of those things? Because that's what's relatable. I think Sue Monk Kid says, the deeper you go into your personal story, the more likely you are to hit the universal.
0: Mm. Wow. That's big.
2: Powerful, right? And so... I only recently heard that quote and I was like dancing in the street, literally COVID times, so we have to avoid <laughs> everybody. I'm like walking in the middle of the street and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's it. That's the book that I wrote and the story I wanted to tell. Wow. And I knew that was only a piece of it. So yes, tell my story so that others can relate deeply. And if nothing else feel two things. One is, Oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not the only one, mm. you know, that behind this armor or this shiny, you know, surface, there's like a struggle. And I wanted to be so candid. So the book has a lot of dark and a lot of light. And I, and I take you very honestly on that journey. And I wanted it to be a message of, I got you. Because when I left Harley, I was looking around for support. My family thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy. Yeah, there was some envy of like, wait, you can just leave your job for a year. And I'm like, yeah, I've been saving. I had this fund called the FU Fund, and it was an FU to my ex-husband. <laughs> and Smart. It, yeah, and it was an FU to anything less than total fulfillment in the future. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and yet, my professional network kind of started to go away. Right. Like
0: interesting, you know,
2: I was I was kind of like, oh, oh, OK, I was the value of those brands. And so I decided I wanted to also write the I got you book, which means I'm putting my arm around you. Let me share what mm. my journey was like, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly and the beautiful place I have gotten to. And this is a journey that will never end. It mean, will the day, you know, the day that I'm no longer here and I transition to whatever is next but how beautiful is that? And like, this is a work in progress. So we decided eventually that it was gonna be part memoir, part manifesto, because I really wanted this call to action that said, what if all of us become chief soul officer of our lives? What Mm -hmm. if we band together to have that kind of impact in the world and Mm -hmm. rebel for who we are, what we want and the impact we wanna have. And then it's part interactive guide Because as I'm talking to you, the reader, about the work that I was doing and the identity I was unraveling and all the experiences and lessons I was learning, I want you to do the work too. So at the end of each section, there are questions. It's kind of a soul search, right? So you can either pause, you can go back and do it all. But the book is those three things. And I'm really proud of that because I wanted everybody to be able to turn the mirror on themselves and ask those same questions. I don't just want to put my life out there for no reason. I wanna put my life and my story out there to help change yours.
0: Yeah, and and that's really a powerful way to do any nonfiction book today, especially one that's it's in alignment with your business and what you're about, and gives you a platform to, I hate using all these kind of marketing ish terms, but it gives you a platform to really stand out as your expert with your expertise and and as a thought leader. And and that's what people are really hungry for is to connect with other people, not necessarily a company per se, which is why so many companies are turning to a more persona based brand. But um, I don't want to get all marketing ease on my listeners. Oh yeah, Something that marketing
2: that. stuff. That's all. <laughs> it's all BS anyway. That it's annoying.
0: Stuff. It's annoying. It <laughs> Those really marketing is. Marketing
2: people. I've never liked them.
0: <laughs> I know. Just go sit in the corner. Um, <laughs> but I, I like that structure. It and it and it's kind of reson, It is resonating with me because it's what i'm trying to put together with flying solo which is my next book and uh you know kind of share my story as a solopreneur but also you know kind of provide a survival guide <laughs> yes. regardless of where, whether you're you know uh sunsetting your career as a solo or you're just getting into it and uh and so much of it has nothing to do with marketing or communications or sales it's got so much to do with that solopreneur's mindset
2: it's so it's so 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 true, and I'm I'm so excited that you're going to be sharing more of your story because that's your version of I got you. Yeah, it's like solopreneur, yes. like how great <laughs> Terry. I would have loved to have that book in my hands three years ago, and it will help so many well, people I'm, I'm, out. I'm working on I know, it, Shelley. I, know. I was going to say, oh, that sounds. Give that me sound, a break. I know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not trying to push you over the edge. I'm just saying that's how (laughs) exciting I think it is because we need that, right? It feels, it is very lonely at times. You know, I make jokes that I'm like, Right now, I'm sitting here at my kitchen table. That's kind of like office cube, podcast studio cube, my like God knows what, right? And this is this is my life, and it's yeah. like. But does anybody understand this? Are other people doing this? I'm like, sit and talk to myself at my kitchen table half the day. Well,
0: with the with COVID Especially. and COVID and the pandemic, I mean, we're all many, many more people are getting a taste of the solopreneur life, even just the working in isolation. They may still be part of a large company, but they're telecommuting for intents and purposes. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's and, you know, I I think it's kind of cool because it's going to give a lot of people the bug like, hey, this isn't so bad after all. Maybe I could do this full time. Right. And then they're like, I don't want to go back into the office. You know,
2: (laughs) I know it's like, oh, my God, wait, I got a taste of freedom. Like I can structure my day the way I want to. I can like decide that I'm just going to go for a walk in the middle of the afternoon. I can say hell, I'm taking the afternoon off. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I love it. I mean, So here's funny little aside that's related to this. One of the things I did w- during my initial sabbatical, when I was doing the identity work and everything else is I got really clear on my values. So I'm not attempting mm. to take us backwards, but I think it's relevant for what we're talking about. But I
0: believe that ties in with your manifesto. I it, really do yeah. because that's all related to your principles and, you know, your intention around what you're doing and in, in, through your work.
2: And, and I think it's what I want, uh, not think, I think, it's what I want other people to get really clear on. Because when mm-hmm. I did that work, and I did it like Brene Brown style, where it's like, you can only get two or three. So what are your top values? Get really clear on those and make them the criteria or the lens through which you make every hard decision in your life. And when I sat back and did that work, I realized mine are freedom, authenticity, and courage. You want to hear my three? Yes,
0: because you're gonna laugh. Well, probably not because we have so many commonalities. But my number one is freedom, right? My number two is the ability to be creative, and number three is my ability to inspire others to their own creative power. Mm,
2: I love it. Those are my three. Yeah, I love it. And isn't it like when when that crystallizes?
0: And you know it, like it's like I when you said you're three, I was like, oh yeah, you want to hear mine? It's they're there. They it's like a living, you know, credo that you believe in. Yeah, uh, that you live by.
2: It is. It's like a soul print. Like you feel it in your bones. Oh, I like
0: that soul print. That's cool. Somebody
2: else. I can't take credit for that word. It might have been Vishen Lakiani of Mind Valley. Somebody somebody created that, and I heard it, and I'm like, actually, to be honest, my initial response was. I wish I would have come up with that. <laughs> that should have, that should have yeah. been part of the solmatical lexicon. That but anyway, I'm I will I will uh, you know give attribution because you're I think just it's gl- a really... Yeah, you're
0: glomming onto anything associated with soul know, because you're so committed to that purpose. <laughs>
2: I, I am exactly. So so anyway, I just wanted to bring up the values thing because it is so yeah. clear. And so then I was like oh, wait a second, when I got clear that freedom was the number one for me, I'm like, well, no wonder I was constantly like pushing at the cage I was in, yeah. right? No wonder. Yeah. And and yet my career served me so well. I have zero regrets. It took me around the world. It, you know, got me on a motorcycle. I mean, it just, it was incredible. And now mm. that I know it, I'm making very, very different decisions in my life. And I'm showing up very differently because I'm showing up in, alignment with those values. And I wrote a book in alignment with those values. My book Mm. is authentic. My book is all about, you know, basically my kind of search for that freedom from the shackles of should, as I call them, right? That you put yourself in because you're shooting all over yourself and it is authentic. It is purely me and my story spoken in my, written in my language, which I love to create. And it's courageous. Because yeah. it's all the things I just, you know, I well, just the, mentioned. You wrote it so
0: raw, you know, yeah. you really just, you, you were like, I don't care if people judge or say things. This is what this is what I'm committed to providing, which is the driver of what I'm up to. And you can only do that by reaching in deep, deep, deep uh, to find
2: that. And people um, will thank you. I mean, this is, you know, I'm sure you've gotten this. They can connect with
0: it. That's why. They
2: connect with it so deeply. The, I have... I can't even tell you how many times I've cried when I've received beautiful notes from people Mm. I've never met before who have cracked wide open simply hearing my story and seeing themselves in so many pieces of my story and saying, Doesn't Doesn't it
0: surprise you? Sorry to interrupt, but doesn't it surprise you? Because this has happened to me with, with my books as well. Doesn't it surprise you to hear their perceptual experience of it and what they get out of it? Because it's like a mind blow for the author as a writer I've gotten feedback like, I had no idea what I shared would have that type of an impact. Like that was not even in my intention. Yeah, and just showing up and sharing Terry, uh, it, it like cracked that open for that person and in, in their own perceptual experience of it. And that's why it's so important as a as a writer to allow your reader. This was my biggest lesson as a writer to allow your reader to come to their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. And yes. don't explain to them, you know. Well, this is what that means, and this is how you should take it. No, it's like tell the story, tell the experience, and allow them to come to their own conclusions. Because you don't want to rob them of their perceptual experience and how they're interpreting what you're sharing in their own uh, their own life. That's exactly That's really right. Cool.
2: And, and the other thing I think it's tied to that is don't try to be someone else or write like someone mm. else. When I finally hit flow in writing my book. The moment it happened was me realizing, why aren't you just writing like you speak?
0: <laughs> Duh. Duh. And when <laughs> yeah, I finally I
2: did, and I'll tell you, that's uh-huh. the number one comment slash compliment that I get from people is like, I feel like you're sitting next you're to me right on there. the couch. Uh, I love it. And yes. that just warms me like, oh, mm-hmm. here's the here's the other thing for anybody who is thinking about writing a book and terry i'm curious if you've gone through this as well so as i was thinking somebody asked me what are your metrics for success what does success with a published book look like in the world and you know of course in my biggest dreams and on on like a vision board i would have the new york times bestseller list and the wall street journal bestseller list and all that stuff and i sat back and got real not that i wouldn't love those things one day but I got very real. I'm like, you know what? With this book, the metric of success for me is the more strangers, perfect strangers who I hear from telling me that this changed their life. And I'm hearing from more and more of those perfect strangers. And it's gonna be one by one. This is the this is the long game. Mm. And it is this it's steady. But that's Radically shifted how I think about my book's success in the world, changing yeah, and the permanence ones, of it. Yeah. yeah, you know the
0: permanence of it because if you know y- you create it once, it's an asset. It's something that keep, the gift that keeps on giving, right? Because it's it's published now and it's in the Library of Congress, and people can get it on Amazon, right? And yeah. multiple forms, right? So that's something that will outlive you. When you're gone that book is still going to be read by people which is really powerful yeah. and to to kind of answer your <laughs> question for me it was kind of twofold and this is just to, to demonstrate how small i was thinking uh when i wrote my first book in 2007 and it was twofold from the standpoint of one was about me in other words i wanted to just finish it and get it into book form yeah. right i mean as basic as that is that was huge, right? I'd never written a book before, and I didn't really know how to write a book. And, and the story of my the first book I wrote was incredible how it all happened. I'm not going to go into it here. but um, And then the second is if one person reads it and achieves relief from reading it, mm. and that they don't feel so isolated, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, I'm not the only one who feels this way. and And that was it. It was me getting it done, and one person having an impact, and that was my my measurement for success. But the reason why, uh, one of the reasons why I, I think that I, I guess, unconsciously set those metrics up is I didn't want to, um, I didn't want the 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 goal to be so big for myself that it it got in the way of me doing something incredibly creative yes. and incredibly heartfelt. Um, and then the other was. Um, I really just wanted to do those two things. I mean, that was really my goal, uh, you know, was just to have those two things happen. And and that was back in the days when I, I hate to say this, but I, I was more of the devaluing self. And I, I didn't want to create an expectation for myself to have to live up to a certain more hard number or something that I didn't believe in and that speaks to beliefs. Talk about beliefs. You know, what did you believe to be true about writing your book? You know, are you a bad writer, a good writer? I mean that could be a whole episode right there is beliefs around writing your book. But what I wanted to ask you, um, you know, as we try to wrap this up here, like that's even possible with you and I, right? <laughs> I know. Uh,
2: It'll always be a to-be-continued, Terry. I, I, I know, know it will.
0: <laughs> You'll be like, oh, she's having Shelly on this season again. Oh, my God. That girl can talk about anything.
2: <laughs> I have and a feeling she it's going to be like that. And she will.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's when I love my guests who I can be like, I could have you on every season. That's how good this is. Uh, I'd be on um, But I wanted to ask you to speak to my solopreneur listener who is looking at an idea of writing a book and they're keeping it in the context of how will this help my business how will they will this you know of course it's going to be a creative exercise it's going to give me those experiences but when i look at my solopreneur business and brand and what i'm doing in my efforts how is that, you know, what can you kind of like coach them around from the standpoint of getting that in a framework that they can actually produce and know that what they created is something that they can use through their business?
2: Yeah, so there are a lot of different directions to take this. So the first thing that's coming to me is one i just want to say to everyone who's listening writing this book and getting my message out into the world in book form has been the single best decision i've made as a solopreneur so far excellent so starting from that point i i always i always had a dream of writing a book i i've said it for years i just didn't know what that book was going to be or when the Mm. right time to write it and now i understand that it happened like it was divine timing it was exactly the right time because a book is a calling card you guys it is more powerful than any business card because you're putting a piece of yourself and your business into the world that people can consume go deeper and i can't even tell you how many calls or queries through my website i get as a result of somebody having found my book and then wanting to come to me to say can you coach me? How can I we want do more. this together? Yep. I want yep. more. Yes. And so, and then we talk about well, what does more look like? It's going to, you know, for some people, they might become one on one clients. For others, it might be a different program. For others, you know, I might just have a comp session and it unlocks something and send them on their merry way. But I'm having a lot of conversations and the inbound is far greater than the outbound right now Mm. as a result. And by the way, my book has only been out for five months. My book was- Yeah, I know. It was was, January, Actually, maybe six months now, right? Yeah, we're in July. Yeah, yeah, it was January 14th. So two months before, you know, COVID hit the fan. (laughs) And- And yet to the point you made right at the beginning of this podcast, I actually think that was divine timing too, because the world has slowed down and we are all being called to say what really matters most to me and what am I rebelling for? And I think the invitation is for us to create that next chapter of our lives as we slowly come out of all of this. So that was, sorry, that was a little, a little side detour to say... I would encourage... Stop being so passionate, <laughs> will you? I know, exactly. You're, you're
0: pegging my passion meter over here. <laughs> exactly. Good,
2: good luck eking that out of me. Um, so I would definitely say for anybody who's considering it, and maybe if it's just like don't doubt yourself, just start getting things down on paper. You don't have to commit to it being a book just yet. Yeah, maybe even just start with that. micro-blogging or blogging and capturing those thoughts um, I think it's so overwhelming sometimes. Like, I, I will admit, as soon as I ended up getting this book deal, I had all these ideas jumbled in my head. But then I'm suddenly sitting, staring at this contract and a deadline. I had seven months to write the book, literally from a blank sheet That's what paper. happens when
0: you go with traditional publishing, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and this, and Tiller has a unique model. So they go really, they look for content that's culturally relevant in particular categories they want to play in. Mm. And then they go very fast to market. So I was like, well, they have to because
0: they plan it out so far in advance, like sometimes years.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was lucky. I wasn't yeah. on the years thing. So I was like lucky and unlucky. So I, I wrote it very quickly. Well, that's because you were
0: hitting a relevant topic that they yeah, were excited about. Yeah,
2: very. And so and so what I would say is like that felt so overwhelming. Suddenly I was like, oh, my God, I can't eat the elephant. I can't. Eat and you the had elephant. no frame
0: of reference because it was your first book.
2: None. And so I hired a book coach, which is the other thing. Anybody who wants to get deeper into this, hire a book coach. They will coach you through it. They will pull the creative threads out of you. They will help get you unstuck when you're stuck and it's going to happen. They will give you tips and tools and techniques to get through it. And so my book is my is is as good as it is because of Patty Hall, who is my book coach, who I love dearly. And she became such a um, has become such a great friend Um, so those are things, but I would say, honestly, like in in my stories, like, you know, some companies aren't going to want their employees to read my book because they're going to think my book is all about having to leave your job. And what Mm. I try to be really clear about is, no, my book is not about leaving your job. It's about finding yourself. Yeah. And it Which may you can take... do
0: within the context of working anywhere.
2: Exactly, and it may take you down yeah. the road of you know may take you to down the road of wanting to be a more impactful leader within a company. It may you may say, oh wait, I need to shift companies because this one isn't aligned with my values. It may take you on a solopreneur journey, like it did mm-hmm. me. But there's yeah. no presumption. But I have to say, get get your get your message out into the world this is the way people connect and it is i know it's scary right because it's like oh my god i'm especially first timers yeah. First timers. And if it has elements of your personal journey in it, mm-hmm. it's going to feel even scarier. And I will yeah, tell you, the scarier. So. Yeah. The scarier it feels, the more you should go for it. And if and you- the
0: better it's going to be, the better it's going to land on people. And mm-hmm. and I'll add to that, Shelley. Thank you for that. Um, I will add to that. I think that and this kind of occurred to me as I was listening to you. It's easy, and I've done this myself, right? You know, because I want to be helpful. So I want to teach, I want to show, I want to give practical steps, I want to have fun doing it. And, but at the end of the day, a book for a solopreneur, especially when you're allowing yourself to tell stories and be vulnerable and expose that soft underbelly, is it allows people to really connect with you and know you as a human and a real person with real feelings and real ideas and real experiences and real pain that they can relate to so much better than you coming off as like i know all this stuff and i'm gonna be the expert and show you all my stuff it really, you know, the more I write, the more I, I talk and meet people, the more they're hungry for that. Yeah. And and so trust that sharing yourself in such a way, this is why Rachel Hollis is so popular, because she is out there on the raw and ragged edge telling her story and all her goof ups. And, and she's using that as a launching pad for demonstrating uh, bravery and courage yeah. and taking risks. And people want permission to take risks, even though they feel and know they're flawed uh, at their core. And they still want to reach and and probe for, for more, for a better future for themselves and their family. So I think that that's something to really keep in mind, especially when you're in the nonfiction world and you're trying to attach this to a business. If you make it too practical, because you're trying to launch people into your business for whatever reason, it's not going to land as well. It's going to be more of an instrument than it is going to be a, a way for you to share some of your DNA with your people. And, and they, when they get to know you, that typical marketing phrase, no like trust, happens a lot faster when they've spent time with you for 200 pages. And then they reach out to you and go, oh, my God, please let me sign up for your program or your coaching because you are speaking in my life. And I think that that's really important to to know as a writer.
2: You're relatable, right? I mean, this Mm -hmm. is if it comes off as like, yeah, I had all the answers. I had the perfect life. I didn't have any struggles. Most people aren't going to connect with you. (laughs) Those are Disney characters. Come on. (laughs) exactly. So that relatability, you're right, Mm -hmm. relatability, personality, that's what deepens the connection and invites people into your business.
0: And I think that's what makes solopreneurs so unique and so special because they have the freedom to actually do that. But so few take that risk because they're scared. I know. I I get it. Yeah, I I still learn every day how to put myself out there a little bit more raw and ragged. um, Because I know, I mean, I've done it on this show. I've I've been like, okay, so I've had this problem, right? So can you help me with this?
2: Yeah, (laughs) I'll never forget how I felt the second I handed over the final manuscript. And I knew there was nothing I could do. I mean, unless I called them to, you know, Simon & Schuster to cancel the contract. (laughs) I was handing over my life and it was going to be in print. And I was just holding my breath. And I just now I look back and I'm like, it's the best decision I ever made. And for anybody who hasn't read it, if you're considering going down this path, read Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art it talks oh, about excellent. one of my favorite books and it talks about yep. the resistance we feel yes
0: excellent i agree
2: oh and that really helped me i went i had read it before and i went back to it at the beginning of writing my book because when we're feeling that level of resist resistance it's exactly where we're it's meant a sign. to be it's a sign it's a sign so yeah <laughs> and
0: it sucks Ooh, it
2: it's really hard. does i know i've had a yeah. number of people say what's book number 2 i'm like um, give me a break. I spent 2019 writing a book. It just came out five months ago. I'd really Would like you to enjoy this. please let me take
0: a nap? I need to rest.
2: I know. I'm like, I'm just going to hang out and promote this for a while yeah. and then we can talk. Although, honestly, the ideas are percolating already. So that's kind of oh, exciting. Oh, yeah. I
0: mean, this, this one I'm working on, Flying Solo, last book I published was in 2013. And that's a long gap for me in my books, right? I've written six, actually written seven books. Oh I've only published six. And I'm like, no, it needed to cook. It needed to ferment. I needed to go through what I've been through in the last seven years in order to create what this is ready for the dump now. Yes. And I just need to sit down and let it dump um, and, and just kind of let it flow. And that's just that's the experience you get when you, do, uh, when you write books. And I say books. So if you are writing a book, know that you will be writing more. The more you write, the better you get, just like with anything. And when you start with something that's powerful, like Shelley has with Soulbatical, you will see that people will be climbing your wall to get more from you because you've really connected with them. Shelly, this has been the best conversation. I hate that we're having to end it, but I'm looking at how much time we've been yammering on. I know. (laughs) And I want to be respectful to my listener who's probably had to listen at this at three different points in their day or week or month or whatever because it's been so long. And I appreciate you, listener, for being patient with us, but I hope you've gotten a tremendous amount of value out of this. And Shelly, you're an angel. I love what you're doing. I can't wait for us to discover more together, and I will have you back
2: yes I'm so grateful thanks Terry and thanks listeners for hanging in there
0: well that's it for this episode thank you for joining me you know being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance resources and community to help drive your business vision the great news is that's exactly what you'll get with simplify and multiply
1: you've just listened to another episode of the simplify and multiply show with Terry Pappy if you want to get free marketing and business development tips templates trainings and more head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up learn how you can grow your business the easy way that's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business multiply their income and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy